Quite frankly, it breaks my heart how many young people talk about their first job and they're scared of failure. We live in an era where there's so many different ways to make money. If you don't like what you're doing, quit and do something else. Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast presented by Generations Bank. I'm Luke Hannon. I'm Max Harrell. Fellas, how are we? We're good. Great. <laughs> Great. Introduce yourself. My name is Chris Wyrick from Rogers, Arkansas, and appreciate you guys having me in today. Yeah. So Chris, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, the five-minute breakdown. The five-minute breakdown. I grew up in North Carolina, uh, love North Carolina, and went to North Carolina State University. Uh, my claim to fame there, I was the worst high school football player in the state of North Carolina. Hey, uh, this, is a, this is a true story. Uh, my father was a... I guess what they called back then an influential booster. Uh, I was so bad in football that they gave me a scholarship to be a manager so I would not take a walk-on spot at North Carolina (laughs) State University in the class of 1985. True story. (laughs) So I went there as a manager, and uh, I was assigned to a gentleman by the name of Jeff Long. Yes, the same Jeff Long who was later to be the athletic director of the University of Arkansas. I was uh, the manager. He was my position coach. So so, so yeah. what was the position? He was tight ends. Tight ends. He was okay. tight ends. And so I worked with Jeff that year. Uh, we went three and eight. We were the best three and eight football team in the, <laughs> in the in state the, of North in Carolina. The state of North Carolina, <laughs> man, we were feared. Uh, but anyway, I got involved in college athletics as a, a manager, uh, matriculated through, and uh, after college, political science I learned was not gonna it was not gonna fulfill me uh, as a career, and so I decided to stay in college athletics and got into fundraising, and so fundraising in NC State, which later took me to Miami of Ohio. Uh, which later took me to Vanderbilt University, then took me to the University of South Carolina, and then eventually brought me to uh, the University of Arkansas, where I reunited with Jeff. So that has been my career, has been um, raising money for athletics uh, at those institutions, mainly in the Southeastern Conference. And uh, when that came to an abrupt halt in 2016, I uh, went to work for Hunt Ventures here in Rogers, uh, Miss John L. Hunt and, uh, and her firm, and uh, have spun off from that. And my wife and I own Equity Storage here in Rogers, Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, we love that. And then have a small consulting company uh, still doing uh, some educational consulting uh, fundraising mate mostly and uh, enjoy that as well. So we love it here. Very, very blessed. Yeah. A very interesting career as you've spent time all around the the Southeastern Conference, as you mentioned, and uh, we've got some some intentional branding here with that cup. Make sure we show it off to the cameras here <laughs> with the uh, Equity Storage logo. Equity uh, Storage sponsored by, financed by Generations hey, Bank. There you which go. Is, uh, very much appreciated wonderful partner. We we wouldn't be in business without Generations Bank, so we're yeah. thankful for all you folks do for us. Wonderful partnership. Well, we appreciate you you kind of sharing all that information with us. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite stop along the way? I know that you ended up here. Yes. Every every school was unique. Yeah. You know, every school was unique uh, for, for various reasons. You know, quality of education, the type of coaches you were with, friends that you made in the community. 
Um, favorite place to live when it was all said and done uh, was either Nashville, Tennessee, or quite frankly, Northwest Arkansas. When when Arkansas came to an end, we decided to stay here. But uh, certainly loved loved growing up in North Carolina. Don't get me wrong, but uh, loved uh, living here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, South Carolina was probably the toughest place to work. Gamecock fans, high, high expectations. Uh, yet favorite coach to work with uh, was probably Steve Spurrier. I mean, I could give you a whole podcast on, <laughs> on Spurrier stories and love traveling the country with him. So every place was really, really unique in, in that regard. Um, but I'll tell you this. I mean, there is no better conference in the country than the Southeastern Conference. I mean, I was reared in the a- ACC, and anyone listening to this wouldn't like me saying it. But <laughs> there is a reason why the SEC is king, and I feel very blessed to work at the schools that I have. Yeah. Any thoughts on conference realignment? You know, I think it's a tragedy. I mean, I really, I hate, I, I hate what's happened. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about it because these rivalries, I mean, I guess I'm old school. Uh, they mean so much. And um, leadership fell asleep at the helm. You know, yeah. these guys, these these commissioners and, and these television execs. Um, you know, and again, back to the SEC, Greg Sankey and, and Mike Slive and, and, and Kramer before him, you know, were innovators and stayed on top, and it's why we are on the top. But uh, it's a shame because a lot of good schools are going to get hurt yeah. uh, in the process. But you uh, factor in the this realignment, which is really television revenue. I mean, if you want to call it realignment, that's fine. But how much money you're making in television revenue, which is how much money you're going to get to be in a conference. Mm-hmm. And then you factor it in with – NIL and the transfer portal. And these are some very, very different. I could not be in college athletics right now. The 25 years I spent were great and I loved them. I uh, have had the chance to go back. No way. No, I <laughs> no. mean, seriously, there's just, there, there's no way yeah. in the world I could ever go back to that with, you know, what has happened with all of this stuff. So I applaud my friends that are still in it. Hunter Yurchek is, is a good friend. We overlapped a little while at Vanderbilt oh, okay. and uh, we socialize here and I'm thankful for what he's doing and the leadership he's providing. But the the mountains he's having to overcome now, Holy mackerel. I mean, there, there's not enough money in the world to, to do what those guys are doing. So uh, the NIL deal that they that they uh, would, would have offered you at NC State. They would have know. offered me not to play. It was, it was <laughs> they would have the paid Chris, you to go away. <laughs> it was the go away Chris NIL deal, and uh, I was terrible. And, and what stinks so bad is my brother was really good. And so he was really, really good, and I was terrible. I mean, I was bad. It was. was, But I love the sport, man. And I gave it all I had. I mean, I was manager of the year. There you go. I mean, I was all in. And, uh, you know, when you're you're in college athletics, you're not supposed to have a favorite sport. Um, But when I came to Arkansas, I got to pick uh, pick my sport. And so I actually was over men's basketball. That was the time Pelfrey, basically. And I picked basketball because I knew if I was over football, I'd ruin it. I just love football that much, you know, so... (laughs) Uh, that's a shout out to you, Pittman. And uh, but my favorite Razorback coach is Van Horn. I mean, I absolutely love yeah, Van Horn yeah. and what he's doing. So want to give him a shout out as well. Absolutely. Okay. Real quick prediction for the season. You know, I, 
seven and five. I mean, seven and five and, and get, you know, in a bowl game. I mean, I, I think looking at this thing that uh, with where we are and who we're playing and, uh, you know, now getting out bid for players, not out recruited <laughs> for them. Yeah. I, I think we ought to, you know, have a credo here that says anything above seven, we can be better than seven and five. Yeah. What yeah. I'm trying to say is, is let's say seven and five and anything above that we celebrate. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way to look yeah. at it. A healthy way. A you know, healthy way. You know, Zach, Zach last week was uh He was hesitant. He was hesitant to give us a to give us a record there. Uh, I that is no reflection on the coaches, the staff, or anything else. Right. It's a reflection on you do everything you can to get these kids to your campus. You think they're coming, and somebody comes in at the last minute and offers them more money than you have. Yeah. And it's sad. I mean yeah. it's really, really sad. Um, but I think the staff does a wonderful, wonderful job uh, with what we do have, um, and we can be much better than that. But I think that's a healthy goal. How's that? Something that can uh, sure. not cause us to have too much acid reflux at the end. <laughs> well, we all like a reason to celebrate, so. There we go. Yeah. You get us eight wins, we'll do that. That's a, that we, as, as we should. Yeah. Well, we uh, it, it's really been a fun, ep- a fun series. We've had several generations on. Um, and it's been really interesting to hear their perspective of money, how um, you know how their thoughts and attitudes have changed uh, regarding money in general uh, over you know a pretty expansive time, right? Um, 60, 70 mm. years or so. And so uh, we appreciate you hopping on and kind of filling what is the is the smallest gap uh, for a generation. I believe it's nineteen sixty five to nineteen eighty. So it's really only fifteen years. Um, and so we appreciate you hopping on, and I think Luke's got some got some trivia that we want to start off our money discussions with. Ooh. This is titled Gen X Trivia, and I don't know many of these, um, but we're just going to jump right into it. I'm going to ask both of you the questions, um, and we'll I'll keep I'll keep score. How about that? Oh wow! Well, winner gets what is a the water prize? Yeah. Uh, what's the prize? I'll. Mountain Dew or something. I don't know. <laughs> you like Mountain Dew? Well, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, here we go. Question number one. Simon LeBon is the leader, lead singer for what band? And we can do uh, multiple choice if need be. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do choice? multiple okay. choice. The Psychedelic Furs, Depeche Mode, or Duran Duran? I mean, no idea. Psychedelic furs. I'm just gonna go with that. That is just an awful <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, what what Thanks. kind of trivia is this? I'm not gonna reveal my source. Uh any guess guess? Uh it's the, not it's the, not what he said. The first one. Uh you say the last one, Duran yes. Duran? Yes, I did. It is Duran <laughs> Duran. Right. Nice Golly. job. I know that was that was tough. I'm gonna okay. talk. To, I'm gonna talk to my agent. I did not know <laughs> that the trivia was part of the uh, the interview. Here. Okay, here we go. Which iconic singer did not appear on the charity single "We Are the World"? Oh, you know, "We Are the World." I do. Yeah, I'm talking about the first one, Max, not yeah. the one that came the out when we not were the kids. One with, uh, Bieber. Bieber. And- <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Who was not on "We Are the World"? Prince. Ray Charles. Or Bob Dylan? Prince. Who do you think? Uh, I'll go Bob Dylan. It is Prince. Boom. Right. Boom. Nice job. No hesitation on that one. Oh, no hesitation. Yeah. 
Okay. Two two O. He's smoking you. Okay. <laughs> we got a little help on the first one, but we want psychedelic first. <laughs> okay. Which, Is that a real band? I don't know. I don't know. Which player was not a part of the dream team at the 1992 Summer Olympics? Daniel, don't answer. <laughs> okay. Who wasn't on the dream team? Larry Bird, Shaquille O'Neal, or Patrick Ewing? Shaq. Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal was not on the dream team. Okay. I've got one more. All right. But if it's two to nothing and only one more left, don't I win? Yeah, that's not. I mean, that just, you know. That again, I was true. in athletics for a long time. Just saying. Well, <laughs> I, I guess, I mean, we're, I guess yeah. we're glad it's not 100, 100 yards spread, right, Chris? <laughs> I'd like to win. Okay, here we go. <laughs> In 1983, parents were literally fighting over what toy during the holiday season? Care Bears, Cabbage Patch Kids, or Rubik's Cubes? Ooh, I'm going to say Rubik's Cubes. You know what I'm going to do, because I am in athletics and I like to win, I'm going to say the same thing because if I'm right, <laughs> I win, and if I'm wrong... Then it doesn't matter. I still well, maintain this one's my margin. Well, this one's worth a thousand points. <laughs> but if I say the same thing he did, I still maintain my margin. So I'm going Rubik's Cube. He's good. It was Cabbage Patch Whoa, Kids. Really? Wow. Yeah. You, did you, I was thinking, that, when was the Tickle Me Elmo? See? <sighs> See, I'm Gen Z. I, yeah. He's, who's Elmo? <laughs> who's Elmo? Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm just go. kidding. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know Elmo. Did you have Barney? Was Barney a. I had Barney. Okay. <laughs> I was like Blues Clues. Clifford. Hey, uh, Luke, quit uh, dragging your feet. Who won? Uh, you did, Mr. Wyrick. Wow. Congratulations. You get, get some background music there. <laughs> hey, maybe we should call up call up NC State and tell them you know, they don't know He's what they're missing. <laughs> exactly. Academics. Yeah. 1991 political <laughs> science major. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wins the Congratulations. So you may not have got a scholarship in football, but, you know. On the so proud on the ACT side or so the proud. academic side, so proud. They definitely should reevaluate. So proud. Yeah. All right. Well, great job. You won the trivia. Uh, but let's talk Big about. Shocker. Yeah. I've lost every round. <laughs> yeah. Um. So kind of broad. Just looking at how money has played a role in your life, we kind of like to to start these interviews with kind of your upbringing. Mm -hmm. So detailing a little bit of that, maybe mm -hmm. starting in North Carolina and how your parents instilled some values. Yeah. Um, in you as a kid. Yeah. You know, um, wonderful, uh, just huge smile to my face thinking of growing up. Uh, unfortunately, lost both of my parents way too young, uh, both to cancer. Um, but a wonderful mom and dad. Uh, neither of them came from much. Uh, both of them came from households where both of their parents worked. And so uh, where... Both of my parents, uh, you know, were always fed, always had a roof over their head, um, you know, very, very little disposable income. Um, so I would say I came from a, a household where uh, both of my parents were uh, determined uh, that my brother and myself uh, would have more than they had. Um, I would call us definitely middle class uh, growing up, but uh, but probably middle class 
uh, trying to live as upper middle class. Um, we definitely lived beyond our means, and uh, that 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 caught up to us uh, sometime a couple times in, in life, uh, with some ebb and flows of my father's business. Um, but uh, definitely provided a uh, a wonderful uh, foundation uh, growing up of. Uh, uh, I was the first of probably, I, I was thinking about this riding over here, I think it was 14 or 15 grandchildren uh, in the families to even go to college, to go to a four-year uh, college. So uh, extremely uh, blessed and uh, very, very grateful for those times, but uh, did not come from life. Both, ironically, working for uh, Mrs. Hunt now, both of my grandfathers were truck drivers. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's kind of that? interesting. Came yeah. full circle a little sure bit Sure did. There. Sure did. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember, how old were you when you had your first job, and um, what was it? Uh, great. So the first job, well, so my father was in the milk, <laughs> my father was in the, the milk and, and dairy and ice cream business, and, and the first job I remember was about in the eighth or ninth grade, and he was part of a, of a uh, he sold his equipment to an ice cream place in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, called Painter's Ice Cream. And I would go down for the summers, and I would I would bootleg behind the counter at Painter's Ice Cream, <laughs> dipping ice cream, and uh, my prize was free ice cream. So that was probably seventh or eighth grade. But um, I always worked. I mean, that was something you know that he instilled in me. Uh, I worked at a movie theater. I cleaned dishes at a Japanese restaurant. <laughs> um, you know, um, I mean, I did a lot of different different stuff. I mean, having a job was always something he did and instilling us because um, although he did give us an allowance if we wanted more, um, you know, we had to work for it. And yeah. so I did. I worked I worked in college, um, you know, again, not because I had to necessarily, but um, if we wanted more for the date or, you know, I was in a fraternity <laughs> and if I wanted to do more than just the average fraternity, which I don't do anything average, um, <laughs> then I was going to have to provide for that extra experience. So I worked at a tuxedo place. Uh, made We didn't have, you know, Uber back then, so I delivered pizzas for a summer. I mean, there was always something where uh, earning money was uh, something that was instilled in me. Yeah, and so you have, obviously, you have a brother. And, mm -hmm. and any other siblings in, no, in your family? No. So just the two of you? Cam is six years younger, so looking at my chart, he would fall into some different category oh, than me, I guess. So, understood. Yes, yes. Okay. So, um, so obviously it was important and kind of instilled in you, uh, you know, this, this work ethic, um, having a job, um, you know, either maintaining a job may not be the same job, right. but maintaining some sort of, uh, some sort of job as you, as you grew up, not only in, sounds like maybe middle school and junior high, but all the way through <laughs> college. So, um, so obviously, uh, you, you're happily married. You have a wonderful wife. We'll True. give a shout out to yeah, Miss Marilee. Thirty-one here. years. Yeah, which is which is incredible. And um, and, and you had to take uh, those ideals that you had growing up from your family, and I would assume she had her own coming into into your relationship. Um, as you guys started off on your journey together. Right. So how did that kind of mesh and mold? Was it difficult in conversations or was it something that you guys were able to, you know, kind of uh, have a, a pretty cohesive relationship from moving forward? You know, I, I don't know at the time that it was uh, that it was conscious, but um, looking back, I think Marilee, my wife, kind of grew up the same way I did. She grew up a uh, middle class. 
probably lived a life of upper middle class, uh, maybe a little bit beyond her means. But again, in order to get there, um, she always worked as well. Merrily had a job in high school. Merrily had a job in college. Um, and, and so, uh, that was instilled, you know, up, upon her and, um, you know, even into, uh, raising kids and in our adult life, merrily, uh, continued to work, uh, at least part-time, um, because of some of the decisions we made, we wanted our kids to go to a Christian school. Um, we wanted our kids to maybe have some things that uh, my income on itself would not afford. So merely had some some part-time jobs in order to afford those type things. And so um, the fact that our parents kind of uh, raised us the same way, working was just something we always were, were going to do. Yeah. Interesting enough, even to the point now that, that, that we're blessed that Merrily doesn't have to work, she chooses to want to work yeah. <laughs> because it's just something she's always done. Yeah, yeah. So, so money has obviously, it plays a role in all of our lives, right? And our relationship to it can be both healthy and unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And it probably changes depending on the season of, of life that we're in. So uh, it sounds like, you know, if I, if I go back again to how, how it was viewed growing up, you had, you had somewhat of a, of a, of a variety of, of viewpoints to it. I think you said, you know, there was some, there was, there was a middle class, um, reality with a potential for upper, upper middle class um, desire or uh, you know lifestyle. Right. So did that lead to did that lead to some you know a, a healthy understanding of not just work but but what money actually was um, or what money could could do for you or what money you know uh, how your relationship has evolved with that over the, over time yeah and that's it's a great question it's a very very personal me but certainly for the sake of this being educational willing to share um, when you live beyond your means which you know which we did um, my father ended up losing his job um, at a point in time right before I left for college yeah. And so when you're living beyond your means, uh, that, that often means there's not a lot of savings. And when there's not a lot of savings and you're living beyond your means, that means there's debt. Um, and so I was, I was forced in late high school, you know, living what was a very comfortable life for the first time in my life to be confronted with this thing called debt. Yeah. And so I would say, and, and I love my dad, he's, he's my hero, and, and Max, you're familiar with sure. my storage facility, and I have something named for my father. That's yeah. how much I respect him. But my parents didn't teach me about money. Um, how it's a commodity and and how it's to be traded and how it's to be bartered and how it's to be saved. And so, unfortunately for me, I I learned a lot more about money through failure than I learned through success. And, um, you know, if I had any advice, and and maybe you'll ask later, um, of something that's missing in the generations today, I I don't know that there are nearly enough conversations taking place between fathers and sons and and mothers and daughters about wealth, uh, and about money and, and about savings and about credit cards and, you know, credit. My parents never talked to me about credit. Yeah. And I was a big enough of a knucklehead to, to say, hey, if it's between, and forgive me, Pastor, I'm getting ready to say this, between <laughs> getting a keg on a Friday night or paying the electric bill, there were times I went for the keg. Okay? <laughs> and so things later in life came in like credit score and other things that never had really been explained to me. So, you know, most of my journey was unfortunately trial and error. And, and you know, I got to a point in my 
life, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later, where I was able to overcome those. But there were some mulligans originally in life that weren't taught to me. Um, I'm not saying that maybe I wouldn't have made the exact same decision, but at least it would have been an informed decision. So um, my situation with money was certainly trial and error and a lot more error uh, than successful trial. So, so spending and saving, right? They're two pretty common terms. Um, you know, um, it, 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 I'd be curious to know what your philosophy has been throughout the, throughout the different seasons of your life. Um, you know, obviously there are, there's times when, or saving can be, savings can be consistent throughout and then there's time to spend and time to not. Right. Uh, but I'd be curious to know what your philosophy was and maybe how you've taught your kids, uh, uh, you know what that what that should look like, or what that's looked like, based off of that kind of the trial and error mentality. Absolutely. I think that the rule of thumb um, for us always kind of was um, two months income in the bank. Yeah, and if you really were an overachiever, three months. Have no idea where that came from, <laughs> and, and you know was that. But but I think back to. Um, Sleeping at night uh, for for me, um, I would say that I lived my life more with one month in in the bank than two. There were times that there were two. Um, there were times that there were three. Um, but but through the grind of it all, somewhere between a month and two months in in savings uh, was kind of where we were. Um, I also would say that my own philosophy, again through my father. I was never going to forego a vacation or forego um, a moment with my family, and a moment meaning something that I knew I was always going to treasure because of money. Yeah, um, we were going to find a way to make it happen, and um, any money in, in in our life that we ever had, um, quite frankly, was through real estate. Um, it was it was through the buying and selling of our homes. You know, we were very fortunate. Um, all except through 2008, which yeah. we happened to sell a home in in 2008, and that was our darkest time in our in our in our family history evolution of our our own accumulation. Um, we were always able to make twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars in the sellings of homes, and that was always able to to make that that household savings, um, you know, double and triple, you know, what we wanted. Um, however, when 2008 comes uh, and you're upside down for the first time in your life, that's the toughest time in your, in your life. And you're looking at each other like, you know, what in the world are we, we going to do? So yeah. tough, tough. But um, real estate for us up until the time that, uh, that I went into the private world and, and really made the transition from traditional eight to five job into what I now call entrepreneurship, uh, my my philosophy was always trying to have one to two times my monthly income in savings. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting to kind of look back at those recessions that people our age really haven't been a part of as adults. We really do have a lot of young <laughs> listeners, so maybe not regrets that you have, mm-hmm. but any word of advice, whether it's saving, but any words that you would pass on to you know, people our age yeah. who are either entering the workforce, have been in the workforce for a couple of years without really any trouble, what would you leave them with? Yeah, I, I, I kind of was thinking that, that you were going to ask that question, and <laughs> I think there are probably three three pieces, um, and, and maybe a little too heavy, but they're, they're from the heart. 
first and foremost, I, I spent a lot of time, my, my favorite part of working on a university campus, and candidly what I miss the most is, uh, is, is working with young people when they, when they come and, and say, mentor me, teach me, tell me, tell me your experiences. And I was always very, very transparent um, with the successes and, and with the failures. Um, today, that, that doesn't happen as much, but, but when they come to me, it, it's amazing, uh, this, this generation right now, um, how fearful they are of failure. You know, what, what, what do you know? Luke, what, Max, what do, you, what do you know about failure? I mean, what, what, what's failure? I mean, what did you, you, you lost a high school football <laughs> game or, you know, failure to me is not, is not trying. Failure to me is something didn't work and, and, and you quit. You know, I mean, success is made by taking something that, that, that you quote unquote failed in and knocking yourself up and getting up and trying something different. But it's amazing. It, it quite frankly breaks my heart how many young people talk about their first job and they're scared of failure. Well, heck, if it doesn't work, go do something else. I mean, I'm way too young to sound this old. <laughs> But we live in the greatest generation in the world, and we live in the, in the wealthiest times in the world, and we live in an era where there's so many different ways to make money. If you don't like what you're doing, quit and do something else. Yeah. I mean, we also live in the laziest generation in the world. And so where I really had to bust it as a manager to be halfway decent— these days, you almost just have to be average just to be good. <laughs> and that's the God's honest truth. And so being, not being afraid to fail is, is, is certainly one of those people, one of those things. The second thing that I really hurt for, for your age, you two guys that I'm looking at is, is for me, keeping up with the Joneses was a joke because we, we tried to. Um, I don't even know how y'all try to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> I mean, I, I drive around this this town, and, and coming here today, you know, I passed a Porsche. I passed. I mean, this is true stuff. Now, I'm not making this up. I passed a Porsche. I passed a Ferrari. I passed at, at, at least two Lexuses. I, I, you know, I don't even know the names of some of these car, <laughs> cars now. But but trying to keep up with the Joneses, um, I, I can tell you as a guy that that spent my life maybe not trying to keep up with them but certainly paying attention to them. Now that I'm so blessed, I'm not a Joneses. I might be a Joe, but not a, <laughs> jo not a Joneses. But, but now that I'm blessed more than I ever thought I would be blessed in my life, it's not my happiness. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not my identity. I, I, my wife would, would say that, that you have more than you ever thought you would ever have. But you're not happier than you ever have been. And so I can beat that into your head, but it's true. If you define yourself truly by wealth and financial success and you believe that stability buys you happiness, I think you've missed the purpose in life. And, you know, in turn, what does make me the happiest, and I know this sounds corny, but it's true, it's when you do something for somebody else. When you give something you have that you never saw yourself giving away, part of that wealth, the eye of the camel, yeah. right? I mean, camel through the eye of the needle and doing those things for other people that can't, 
Now, you want to talk about keeping up with the Joneses being diminished? That's what puts a smile on your face. So nobody's going to follow that, and everybody's going to say that's sappy and not believe it. But there's where happiness is is wrapped up. That's where it's at. If you don't think so, go out tonight and yeah. do something for somebody else. See yeah. see what kind of feeling that gives you, as opposed to getting in your your Porsche and paying <laughs> you know ten dollars a gallon to fire. <laughs> it's true, yeah. but it but it took me fifty six years of my life to be there. Yeah, yeah, that had to evolve. But that's the truth. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. That's. Uh, you know, we, we do have a, a probably younger subset of listeners, so I know that they'll be, um, you know, we've, we've had the gambit of folks on here, right? Uh, including Dossett. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who uh, was, was just an awesome interview. He was, um, he's, he's about to be, or he started his freshman year at the U of A this week. So, yeah. wow. Wow. It was a different interview. It is. Yeah. I bet you did. It you was know, interesting. I think the other thing, too, is is no one ever – we were taught you, you work a job. You have a, you have a job. You have a boss and you have a job. And you, t- today's deal, it, it's not one job. It's like four or five jobs. Yeah. It's passive income. It's all these different ways to, to make money that were, to me, so far. I never yeah. thought I would have like three or four different things that I do. Yeah. But I absolutely thrive on the variety. Yeah. Hmm. And that gets me up in the morning, knowing that not every day is going to be the same. I have no idea, you know, whether my time is going to be at Hunt or whether it's going to be at the storage or whether it's going to be consulting or, you know, I like that. And that keeps yeah. me, truthfully, I'm more motivated now. The short is more positively sharpened for me right now than I think it's ever been in my life because of that variety. And I urge young people to do that. You've got the time to do it. You've got the resources. You're smart. You've got these computers in front of you. <laughs> There's so many ways to do that that I encourage them to do it. Yeah. If you could look back at the generations below you, how would you grade how they're doing as far as managing their finances. And when you mean below you, meaning you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, 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 you're at such, man, you're at such a disadvantage for, for two reasons. Number one, you're making insane money. I mean, what, what you didn't ask me, and if you want to ask me, I'll tell you, but, but how old I was before I made six figures. I mean, you guys are coming out in, in one or two years. Six figures is nothing to you. So here you are amassing this wealth just by graduating from college yeah. is, is, is a tough, tough thing. So that wraps you up in a whole no- – that gets you back into this Joneses thing. So then you say to yourself, okay, what are you doing with it? I mean, are, are, are you doing for others and are you making wise investments in yourself and in ma- mankind and in doing the right thing? Or are you on your third home and your fourth car and, and going to Hawaii every year? And I would say that I hope it's just a balance. I mean, I want you to have – I've already said I made money in real estate, so I hope you have a nice house. <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with, with having – or riding around in a BMW, but does it have to be a brand new one? And do you have to have one every two or three years? So it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, more than the norm – but when is it enough? 
Yeah. When is it enough? And that's the problem I see with your generation is you're getting so much that you don't have a cap on what enough is. You're allowing enough to be defined by someone else. And by allowing it to be defined by someone else, it's never going to be defined. Yeah. Yeah. That defined by somebody else is totally on point with comparison. It's a yeah. huge part of, I know Max and I aren't social media gurus. Yeah, and, you see everything. It's so yeah. it's so public. Uh, the world and the wealth and anything, you know, uh, is so unbelievably public. Uh, you know, you, you've mentioned this phrase of keeping up with the Joneses several times. And, um, you know, you mentioned some of the cars that you drove by to get here. Well, I, I, I can imagine, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, you may have seen one or two, uh, but you also had to see it out on the road. Right. You weren't getting inundated, inundated with this, you know, just constant Instagram, uh, Snapchat, you know, oh. social media that is showing you what someone has. Uh, and I was actually, I was watching a video of, of, it was a parody, but they were using a, a fake private jet uh, to hmm. have influencers come in Say they have a private jet. Hey, I'm going to Paris, or hey, I'm going off, <laughs> and it's not functional and doesn't work. And it was wow. a parody thing, and I thought that was really right, funny, right. you know. But but that was kind of this mantra of, you know, I have this, but let me let me show you. Yeah. Whereas that may not have always been uh, the case. It's harder. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 biblical, but where much is given, yeah. much is expected, and you're in a generation where you've been given so much. My wife asked me this not not too long ago, and it it, it just it, it's it absolutely smacked me in the face. But she said, "I want you to sit down, and I want you to write down the last five times you were just over the moon happy. Like what happened that just like brought you chill bump with overflowing with happiness, gratefulness." I'm I'm a, I'm an hour into it. I mean, no, I, I mean, I'm yeah. talking about that moment of, yeah. of like, ah, like I'm an hour into it. Now, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. There's something wrong with that because 8 to 10 to 12 years ago before there was social media and there was paying attention to all this stuff, man, you could you could reel that off in a in a heartbeat. So, there there's nothing wrong with having it as long as you appreciate it and you remember where it came from yeah and you're passing it along to others yeah and like i said to me my generation the older i get i'm finding that passing it along to others is is what fills up that page with happiness so i i've i appreciate all of the comments um you know i think that they're uh, very well grounded and uh, i i want to kind of go back to something you said earlier um so you would say for the majority of your career, you've worked an eight to five mm. job. Mm. Um, that is becoming less common. Um, and you've even mentioned as far as uh, that's less common for you now, right? There's kind of a multitude of, of income opportunities. So um, I'm curious to know your thoughts on both the transition from one job, one boss, eight to five, 40-hour weeks, you know, just your your regimen as opposed to, you know, maybe today's environment where it's, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there, um, a lot less structured, mm-hmm. right? Uh, plus, 
Where, where does that go from a, um, so I, I think we've, we've kind of seen a transition from working really, really hard, saving, saving to experience life at a later date mm. to I want to work hard and experience mm. life all at the same time. Mm. So those are two pretty weighty questions, but if you can mm-hmm. kind of fill us mm-hmm. in on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that, um, and, and I, you know, obviously the, the listeners can't can't see this, but I'll show you there's a little depth behind the answer. The, the problem when COVID hit, let's just blame it on that, is throw work discipline out the out the because whether you're eight to five and you've got a boss that you're reporting to and you're going to the office or you're a sales rep and you were on your own anyway, um, self discipline and production and you know whatever you want to measure yourself by is out the window anyway, right? I mean you're really going to dig into what is now going to be this whole new form of management. So for years I have always been a list guy. And for years, I have always said and, and been really, really faithful in this and trying to put down, and this goes against scripture and, and, and goes against, you know, this is almost self-idolatry by saying, okay, if I get these things done, I'm successful. But in my own way, in my own way of measuring productivity, my own way of of, of, of projecting productivity is to say, this is what I want to accomplish this week that I know of. And I'm writing it down and I'm putting in, it doesn't matter if it takes me five days, seven days, or four days. I'm really going to try hard not to stop till I've checked those things off. And the reality to that list is there are going to be some weeks that that list grows twofold. There are going to be some weeks that that list doesn't ever get touched. But I've always felt by looking at that list, that kept me projecting forward. Also, by having that list, it always gave me the latitude of of looking at it and saying, okay, my daughter has a soccer match tonight at four. What on this list is more important than that soccer match? And you know what? Sometimes there were things on that list that were more important. And so I didn't go to the soccer match. But I found out nine out of ten times what was on that list was not as important as the soccer. So I ended up going to the soccer. So, you know, not to be uh, hypocritical, but you, you come to my office. And I will challenge you to ask me this. Since 2004, in my desk drawer, I will show you those lists. That's helped me. And that's when I've had very demanding bosses, Jeff Long, <laughs> or the best bosses in the world, John L. Hunt. But it didn't matter what type of boss I had. I had that kind of discipline kind of set for myself, and that really, really helped. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It was kind of my own. I don't, you're too young to remember Franklin Covey, but that was the, those were the books and the kind of the arrows that you drew of productions of the day. So yeah. I developed, I, I, I want to, and I, I could, I may be off a year, but I believe it was 2004 that I kept keeping my list on that. And yeah. that really gave me that balance. That'd be a neat look back. So it's know. it's cool, and yeah. it really kind of it really kind of tells you uh, almost you you can take that and um, what I accomplished uh, volunteer wise and where I was as a dad and you know when I wasn't as focused on checking things off on that list I think you'd find that 
as a person, I was probably better. Sure. Yeah. As simplistic as it was, just a sheet of notebook paper. Well, that's a neat answer. That's really neat. It's true. Well, I, I will wrap this up um, in, a, in a question that, that you're going to be unaware of. So um, I was told by a bystander at some point last week that you were seen wearing both a Bucky's hat and a Bucky's shirt uh, at the same time, which is a lot of Bucky's going around. So, um, <laughs> is this a is this a new NIL deal that you've worked out with Bucky's? Are we just representing the greatest gas station on earth? Or what? A Bucky's within like what? hundreds of miles yeah, from here. I, I know. So, what, what? I need I need some context surrounding this. Keeping in mind that there is not a Bucky's in the fine state of Arkansas, I have taken it upon myself to be the personal ambassador uh, oh. for the brand to let it be known that uh, there is a lot of wonderful commercial real estate right here in Rogers, <laughs> Arkansas. I happen to work Please. for the greatest uh, commercial real estate uh, group, Sage, Cushman, Wakefield, John L. Hunt. There's just no reason there's not one. Sure. Um, the other thing you'll learn, we talked about wealth um, here today. The other thing we've learned is uh, there are times in life to be cheap. And part of being cheap is sometimes you wear what people give you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that works for me. <laughs> that works and for me. Let me add this. Uh, as I've said before, I am, and I mean this sincerely, tremendously grateful uh, for Generations Bank. Without Generations Bank, I would not have equity storage. Um, had I had a Generations Bank hat and T-shirt, I would gladly replace Bucky's. Well, understood. <laughs> I feel like that that we can make happen. But the double dip with the Bucky's needed little, to make an little, appearance. Little too much Bucky. Little too much Bucky. <laughs> There's about a Bucky-sized uh, piece of land right across from our branch that would. Uh, that's right. Before we wrap up, though, I'm going to do something that's never been done to you, and he may cut us off. But I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you this. Now that I've come on and you've taken the time to interview me about what I think, because looking at this wonderful chart of generation names, what have I said to you about my opinions that have resonated the most with you, either positively or negatively? Wow. Interviewers are being the interviewees. One of the things that, that, that did resonate a lot with me is the fact that, and, and we just got done talking about it, you mentioned this, the word happiness, and when was the last five times that you were truly, truly happy? And what are those what are those moments? What do they consist of? What was your life surrounding it? What was the context of that? And for us to not talk about it in the context of money, I think, is not giving it its, its true, honest opinion. And, and I, I think I'd like to do that exercise. I'd like to see what that exercise would bring out. I, I, I know that I would be your more traditional millennial in that I do have an eight-to-five job and, and, and not a ton of extracurriculars surrounding it. Um, so what would it look like from an experience standpoint with my family as my daughter grows older? How do I make sure that I make the time necessary for her uh, you know, to get to experience life with her dad? So... And, and that kind of ties into your list, but what do I want those five happiness moments to look like 10 years down the road and 20 years down the road? Because I can maybe create them. I, I can maybe create them in that amount of time, you know, by not over investing myself into, into the world that I live in. 
not as deep, but just an observation. And I see this in Max's parents. I see this in my parents as well, who are Generation X, who kind of relate to the same kind of workflow that you have that I think younger people really want um, is kind of an abstract you know, work schedule, whether that's work from home for them or, you know, side jobs left and right. Um, I think that's something that's um, really unique. And while we might want to do that, I don't think we have the opportunities to do that when we exit college or exit high school, whatever it might be. Um, so it's kind of cool to hear you hit those points in your life where you have all these opportunities to be able to do that. Um, and just realize that it sometimes it just takes patience. And um, I also think you are really, um, how do I say this? Because I see this in my parents too. I don't know when, there there might have been an age where you know how to work your phone pretty well. Pretty well. That's what I'm talking about. Generation X is leading the United States in the business, in the workforce right now. Yeah. Um, they are all the leaders. You you are all the leaders, you are all the, you know, front lines, the C-suite of all these major companies. And so just how young and innovative that, I guess, your generation is. There's just a certain, like, cliff where it's like, okay, this makes sense. And with the cards I've been dealt, I can do a lot with this hand. Yeah, I I think there's some change leaders in your generation uh, that have been able to adapt well to new environments, whereas I, yes. I would say that baby boomers have had a really hard time. Yeah. So Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for turning it around on us. We did that a little bit. I enjoyed this, guys. Thank okay. you. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, Absolutely. Chris. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode, please leave a five-star rating and drop a review. Follow us on our socials, which can be found in the show notes below. We will catch you next time.